All right, welcome to the first of its kind, world-changing manufacturers network. Lisa Ryan has her ears to the ground and her heart in the game. Get ongoing education and new connections right here with Lisa and the manufacturers network. Buckle your seat, listen, and spread the word. Here's Lisa. Hey, it's Lisa Ryan, and welcome to the Manufacturers Network podcast. I'm excited to introduce our guest today, Joan Enoch. Joan has been working with Liftall Company as the HR manager since January of 2004. Liftall Company manufactures load securement products in five plants in the United States. Joan has a degree from Penn State in industrial psychology and over the course of her career has worked in banking, consulting for various nonprofits and for-profit companies. She enjoys the nonsense and practicality of working in manufacturing and has a heart for people who work hard for their money to support their loved ones. Joan, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here to talk about something I'm very passionate about, manufacturing um, and who our employees are, they're hardworking and, and the great benefits that they deserve to take care of themselves and their family members. Well, awesome. So share with us a little bit about your background, because it sounds like you've done a lot of things before you got into manufacturing. So what got you here? Well, I started out in human resources and like most folks ended up, you know, initially on the recruitment end of things. And then not too long after doing recruitment in banking, I ended up in the compensation arena. I just, I love compensation and salary administration, unlike most HR people. It's my niche. Um, and with that then comes, came some benefits and just a broad breadth of lots of different things that I've been fortunate um, and, in, and able to do over the, the, my career. So I started out in banking um, and after banking went through lots of mergers and acquisitions of which I was on a team doing some of that, I found myself um, doing consult consulting work for an employee assistance program and ended up in working with lots of different companies and landed in manufacturing. And as you mentioned at the onset, I really like the no-nonsense nature of manufacturing. We can tell it like it is. We can have good conversations. There's not tons of politics and, you know, playing around with how we want to say things. Right. Um, right. So. Well, I think too, when you, and you mentioned employee assistance programs, which I think is so important, especially considering the last couple of years with everything that we've gone through, but what have you seen as far as how benefits have changed? There's definitely federal legislation that has changed things back in when the Affordable Care Act came out in 2010, that changed a lot of things. Um, and there was a lot of good that came out of that in terms of ensuring employers provide for all kinds of preventive services for their employees and that those are covered on dollar one. Um, also, obviously, during COVID, the last two years, there's just been a change in terms of how people are oriented to benefits. I think there was a complete stoppage, you know, when, when COVID first hit and the medical world had to figure out how do we deliver services um, in a safe way. So there's been some a lot of creativity around telemedicine visits. And also I think paired with that, a lot more focus on mental health. I think most folks, you know, as they sit back and revisit how, how did they 
get through COVID, there was, a, you know, some mental health, like mental and spiritual changes um, or emotional changes, I think that happened for folks over the last couple of years. You know, what, what is life really about now that we're all faced with COVID? It changed things. So I think that it's been good to have that focus not just on our physical health, but really recognizing, you know, there's so many layers to us as human beings and how do we take our physical health, mental health, emotional health, and make sure that, that all of those are getting addressed and our healthcare system can do that. Well, and it's not only important from a legal standpoint that we pay attention to mental health, but there's always that if somebody has a physical disability, it's easy for us to see that. It's easy for us to notice it and, and have some kind of empathy for that because we can see it. But when it comes to mental health and we have somebody who is now suffering from depression or you can't necessarily look at them and see what's wrong, you just want to say, snap out of it, you know, put a smile on your face, get back to work, that whole awareness of mental health and the importance of taking care of our employees has really come to light the last couple of years with COVID. Absolutely. And when you think about different physical ailments that happen to individuals, whether it's an incident of an accident or a diagnosis of cancer, when that happens, there's also an emotional and mental component. Um, when we think about just in general life cycle cycles, if we're dealing with marriages and divorces and adolescent children and or aging parents, um, all of those, there's a physical component to it, but there's also that mental health and emotional health. And in some cases, you know, medication can help us through certain situations. In others, we might need to talk to a therapist to kind of walk, work through what are my triggers and how do I, you know, manage those a little bit better. Well, and it's been interesting to see the, the changing of the healthcare that now there is more easy access to number one, to mental health, to therapists, but also who would have thought we'd be doing what we were doing with our phones, with telehealth? You know, what do you think this is, doc? You know, a year ago, nobody would have even thought of it. And I think that that's a huge change right now. Absolutely. And I love the fact that from a federal standpoint or not just federal standpoint, but some legislation that has gone through, we recognized, hey, let's charge, let's have a no copay for some of those services so that people can get that treatment, get that connection, try out what telehealth looks like, telemedicine for physical health, for you know, behavioral and mental health. And it costs less because we're not sending we're not sending someone in their car to drive somewhere to sit in a waiting room. Yeah, for those services. So there's been some great, some great strides. And, and I'm hopeful that that continues. Well, and we're also looking at the fact that a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of people on the planet that don't think anything about a $30 or $50 copay because they got to go to the doctor and that's just part of it. But there's a percentage of the population who don't go to the doctor because of that copay issue. So giving them the flexibility with telehealth is actually giving them even more access than they may have taken advantage of before. Exactly. And when I think about how, what we have done from a benefits standpoint over, you know, the last 15 years or so that I've been with the company, we really recognize we have a broad range of employees in our, in our company. We've got 
entry-level unskilled labor. 30% of our population is English as a second language. We work 24 hours a day. Now we're not a seven day operation, we're five days with some overtime on Saturday. But all of those challenges make it harder for people to go to the doctor. And that component of what's the sweet spot? So, you know, we've put things together where we have a $10 copay to see your family doctor. Wow. So speaking of the changes, not only over the years that you've seen, but with the all the different kinds of employees that you have there, how do you decide what changes you're going to make to your benefits every year? Well, I look at data. Now, I don't see, I'm not allowed to see individual healthcare claims. So I don't know what prescriptions people are on or what medical diagnosis they have, but I get collective data and I can look at information that tells me how many people are getting preventive visits and who's not, and are they going to urgent care? Are they going to the emergency room? So we look at all of those touch points and try to come up with the best way to encourage people to get treatment at the right time with the right providers. So that's why we have a $10 copay for your family doctor or your primary care physician or a pediatrician and a $40 copay for urgent care because there's definitely times that, that, that that's warranted. We've also structured things where we go a little bit above and beyond what's required for 100% pay for some of those preventive services. I know we've got employees at all different levels of the organization that get medical screenings at their doctor and they order blood tests. And next thing you know, it's coded diagnostic instead of preventive. And you know they're subject to like a $400 bill. Well, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And it happens across, across all kinds of organizations just due to coding and how hard that is to understand it, first of all. So, you know, we've, you know, done some things and said there's no copay for your first mammogram of the year, because you know what? People are not trying to get multiple mammograms (laughs) and there's no copay for your first colonoscopy because people are not trying to get multiple colonoscopies. Right. Um, Right. And and just the education process, because I can't tell you how many of my customers as well as podcast guests mentioned that employees will just go, instead of going to a regular doctor making an appointment, they just go to urgent care. That is their go-to versus having the choices like telehealth, uh, like wellness. And I know that you at Liftall are really huge into wellness and that education. So tell us a little bit about your wellness program there and, and really what that entails for your employees. Well, thanks, Lisa. Um, it is something, again, we're passionate about. It's part of our culture. And our journey started back in 2007, a little bit prior to the time that wellness programs were the thing to do. And I was really fortunate at the time that the president of our company, when I went in and said, hey, I'd like to spend about $20,000 on doing on-site wellness screenings and explained, we have all these people not going to the doctor we at all. We have people going to the emergency room, but I think if we do this on-site wellness screening, this is going to work. So our first year, I needed to know, well, what's going to get people to participate in screenings? So at the time, this probably sounds a little odd, but flat screen TVs were in. So we bought 37-inch flat screen TVs 
And we bought so many for each plant location and for our corporate office and our sales team. And if you participated with the on-site screening, your name went in a drawing for a flat screen TV. Wow. And we had we had over 80% of our employees participated. Now you'd almost say wellness, flat screen TVs, watching TV, health, we're re- that it's really not a great connection there. However, that was the motivation to get people in. And then the second year we did t-shirts, the third year we did water bottles. So we wanted people to trust the system and trust the process. And what we learned over that time period was people weren't going to the doctor. So all of a sudden, once they got hooked, they said, wait, this is my blood pressure. This is normal. Wow. I have high cholesterol. Maybe I should talk to a doctor. And over time, people started wanting to know their numbers because they wanted to compare year over year. So if you ask most of our employees now, do you know your cholesterol level? Most of them probably do because that's been part of our culture. And then over time, in addition to trying to give trinkets, we incentivized more with more of a stick approach, I guess I'd say that we charge a little bit more for insurance, but if you participate in wellness, you get a a credit. So the cost is reduced significantly. Um, And I went back and prior to our conversation today, I went back and looked and said, well, how have we done on our costs? So overall in the United States, if you look at the per capita spending on healthcare since for the last 12 years, it's gone up about 40%. Wow. In our case, our costs have gone up 18% over the last 12 years. So I went back went back and looked and said, okay, over the last 12 years, when have we increased the cost that our employees are paying? And when have we decreased the cost? So in those 12 years, we had only four years where we increased the cost of insurance. And when you think about how expensive insurance has been, how expensive medications have been, you know, we had a couple of years of a 2% increase, 4%. The highest was around 9.8%. But we also had five years where we were pleased to be able to go to the employees at their annual open enrollment and say, guess what? You have no increase in in your costs, no increase. Same co-pays, low deductible, which we have a low deductible um, plan. And we even had two years where we decreased the cost and said, you're going to pay less next year than you paid the prior year. And I know a lot of it is because we've got this wellness program in place. And we have people getting connected to a doctor. Well, I think the thing that you're doing the best, though, is your level of communication. It seems that a lot of organizations, the employees hear about benefits on day one, and then they hear about them during open enrollment, maybe, oh, it's time for open enrollment, fill out the paperwork. But that constant communication with your employees And even starting, you know, when you were talking about the flat screen televisions, because employees, when you're talking about medical, they probably didn't trust you at the beginning. So you have to come up with something creative that you spent some money on because back in the day, 37 inch flat screen televisions were not the $287 that they are now at Best Buy. (laughs) So No, they were over $1,000. Exactly. So it it was a wow. I could win a flat screen TV. Right. It was exciting. 
but but after they started to see the benefits, but it's communicate, 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 and then the little incentives. So it's not like you had to start with flat screen TVs and go bigger. You started big and then you were able to keep the conversation going, not only from the financial standpoint, but really that knowledge where um, think about the amount of pain and anguish you're saving your employees because they know their cholesterol, they know their blood pressure, they know that if they're in a problem level and because of your wellness programs, you're avoiding a lot of the things that otherwise they may be subjected to. Exactly. And I, and again, not just with the wellness program, but the medical benefit side, you know, we've had employees who we cover PSA testing for our men with no co-pays. Invariably, every year I have one or two people say, hey, I've got my PSA test and sure enough, I have prostate cancer and they catch it early. Same with colon cancer. We've had a lot that were caught early. Um, I continually say to our employees, hey, I cannot prevent every accident. I cannot even prevent every illness because some of us genetically, it's gonna happen to us based on you know, what, what we got from our parents or maybe lifestyle issues or other kinds of things. But geez, if we can just get there as soon as possible, we can reduce the pain associated with those treatments and that recovery piece. Well, and even um, I believe that you also provide financial incentives for like uh, non-tobacco use and talking with a health coach. So talk about some of those additional steps that are you know, lifestyle choices, basically. Sure. So with our wellness program, and again, I have a wellness committee, so this is not me doing all of this. I've got champions out there that in open enrollments and wellness meetings, they'll look around the room and say, you're, you know, you're crazy if you don't participate in this. This is such a good thing, not just financially, but you'll get all these benefits from it. So our first level, you have to do a screening and um, complete a really quick survey. And if you do that, you get $400. Wow. And our screening, our biometric screening includes standard blood pressure, cholesterol, height, weight, but then we also cover a lot of other blood work with that. And once you do your screening and you do your survey, you get a score. And if your score is 70 or below, you need to have one phone call with a health coach. And that health coach, they're available all different times of the day. We've got in, they're English speaking, non-English speaking, you know, translators available for all of that. And they'll go through your results and explain what they are. And then there's a button on the phone or on your phone app, or if you're in the portal that you can click and you can send that right to your doctor because mm. we, we want the doctors to have that information. And with our screenings, we do... We do screen for tobacco in that blood work. If you test negative, you get $600. If you test positive, you can take a cessation class. So we have people taking cessation classes to earn that money. And then our final tier, depending on your coaching score, if you needed to talk with a health coach, you get a point for that. And then the last thing we do is ask people to upload one document showing that they had a preventive visit. So it could be for a mammogram. It could be your annual checkup with your doctor any preventive services. You take a picture of that, you upload it, you get points, and that's another $400. So all in all, it's $1,400 a year. Wow. It's so interesting with the smoking cessation, because I was just at a 
speaking at a conference over the weekend. And one of the people there were talking about how they were basically paying when you had a smoker and they stopped smoking, then they would test them and everything. They got, you know, like $1,500. And then if they continued for a year or something, they got $3,000. But then all the non-smokers were like, hey, why don't I get any cash? So I just think that rewarding the good behavior like you're doing, it's like so many of these things, you, you think through it and you think it's a, a great opportunity. And then you look at the ramifications of it where you're rewarding the non-smoker to begin with, and then giving the smoker the opportunity through the cessation program to also one day be a non-smoker, really help them for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And tobacco usage, you know, for those that use it and it, it's hard to quit yeah, <laughs> whether it's yeah. smoking or chewing. And so I'm perfectly fine if someone does that cessation program for three years in a row, because I just never know at the right moment in time that may, that may be just exactly what they need to quit that right. year. Yep, exactly. Um, so what are some of the other needs that you see or some of the other things that you've been doing that we haven't talked about yet? Well, one of the things that I've come to understand, not just for our company, but hey, the United States has an aging population. So we've got all these hardworking individuals that, you know, they're steady eddies, they come to work, they, they're of that generation where, you know, they're going to keep coming, but they're close to social security and they're going to retire soon. And guess what? Medicare is so complicated. Most people don't understand there's a Medicare Part A, there's a B, there's a C, there's a D, when to sign up. If you delay your Social Security, what does that look like in terms of your income? What does it look like if you have a spouse? So uh, we have an outside company that we've partnered with, and we provide that service at no cost to our employees. It's free. The name of the company is FedLogic. And they provide that guidance for people. So it's one phone call away. You call, you schedule an appointment for you or anyone in your household, and they'll walk through all of that. It blows my mind that we have this complicated system and you know, people just don't know what's available to them. So right. for instance, someone can retire at the age of 62 and draw on their spouse's social security. And then when they're 67 or 68, they can change to their social security. Wow. Well, and I know too, even with Medicare, as much of a pain as it is to go through and, you know, good for you for providing that information. But, you know, that is something that I, I've had some people that they, that my employees look at that as a government handout, just like unemployment, and they don't want any part of it because they don't understand that Medicare is something that you get basically as a gift from the government and it's really good health insurance. And that also means that you don't have to pay for their insurance anymore because they're being taken care of. So I think that, you know, sometimes just that going along with that education process to let people know, this is what you have available. This is what you have a right to. You have been paying into this for your entire career. Take advantage of it. I agree with you 100%. And also I think people struggle with what does that transition look like? So in, in some cases I've had employees think that they couldn't retire because they had a family member who was, who had some complicated health system mm. situations, some 
chronic conditions that required quite expensive medication. And until they really understood, wait, I can retire and my spouse gets all of those same coverage through Medicare. Wow, I can retire. I can actually retire. They they thought that they had to keep working because if they didn't, their spouse might lose quality health care. Wow. And that's not the case because Medicare provides it. So yeah. Well, Joan, you have shared so much great information just as far as having that communication with your employees, the different things that you have done over at Liftall. If somebody did want to continue the conversation with with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Probably to connect with me through email to make it really easy. My email address is hr at liftashall.com. I don't even have to give you my first name and last name just hr at liftashall.com and it comes to me. Um, I also do have another email address, Um, but I'd love to connect with others that are like-minded and and encourage people on their healthcare journey if they're responsible for that at their company. And it's not just an HR responsibility. I'll be honest, every single manager has this responsibility for the people that fall under them to make sure that they encourage them to take care of themselves. Absolutely. Well, Joan, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. I'm Lisa Ryan, and this is the Manufacturers Network Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Hey, do me a favor. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Also, feel free to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can grow the network and connect more fantastic folks just like you. You can either go to the website at manufacturers-network.com or share the podcast on your LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you and your industry friends hang out. The bigger and faster we grow this network, the stronger and deeper community we will have. I appreciate you. Thank you.